0: Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Do you remember the last time you took a stand for something? Because every single one of us, no matter who you are, will find something that you kind of take a stand for. That happens with passing seasons, maybe over something that's recreational, like sports teams. S- maybe for some of you, somebody could rip on your mom's cooking. They could throw jabs at your workplace, or even your preferred car of choice. But as soon as they say something against your favorite football, basketball, or baseball team, oh mo, oh, that's, them's fighting words. Maybe that's something that some people take a stand on. For others, it might be something medical. When there's a pandemic going on, what people should or shouldn't be doing, there's a lot of opinions out there. I didn't know if you knew that. And so some people might really want to take a stand on things like that. In, a, in an election year, it might be political, where a person gets their news or the latest story or the person that they're voting for, and they, they don't want to hear anything else. That's, that'll get them all riled up. That's where they take their stand. And, and for just about all of us, probably in some way, it's Relational. Someone tries to throw some mud at a family member or a friend. They might try to hurt, or maybe they do succeed in hurting your spouse, your child, your parents, your, your sibling, a close neighbor or confidant, and that's where you draw the line. That's where you take a stand. No matter what it is, absolutely every single person takes a stand over something. And we can even say, that when opposition comes, that really tests how strong that stance is. When you know that you're going to face some flack and maybe even some heat and maybe even some, some type of pain because of the type of stance you're taking, that that is not only the way that you prove to everyone else, but it's the way that you also prove to yourself whether or not that is a stance worth taking. Should it, should it be any different for the Christian faith? bigger than some name on a ballot, more serious than even your sports team, as hard as that is to believe, and much more important than anything else in work or in life or even our relationships, do you know what you believe and why you believe it to such a degree that you are willing to stand for it even with the promise of pain and persecution because of it. Jesus doesn't just want us to overhear him sending out the 12 in this time and place, but to hear each and every one of us receive this commissioning, this charge to go out into the world which will oppose us, even with hostility. And he does not tell us that this is going to be easy. In fact, he tells us just how hard this is going to be, not just so that you and I could be prepared for some hard times that are down the road. No, it's bigger than that. It is so that you and I would know that in these steps of persecution, when we take our stance, God is shaping us and honing us and preparing us. And in this, he blesses us and proves that it's entirely worth it. So as you and I open up to Matthew chapter 10, the gospel reading that I just read, you and I are going to see that where and how you stand now has everything to do with where you stand in the end. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus has a lot to say to his disciples. This is just a snippet. I invite you sometime this week to read the whole chapter. It's quite serious and arduous at that. Jesus is preparing his disciples. He's not just sending them out. This is the time when they're just starting to get going as they go out to preach and to teach. And Jesus gives them the reality. It hasn't changed. You and I know this. People were going to oppose what the disciples would have to say. Not everybody was going to welcome them with open doors and open arms and open ears and minds. No, some people would not just ignore or close off. They would even oppose with hostility. And he describes how severe it would be. But notice what Jesus starts off with in our lesson. Because we can know that there are some times when Christians kind of go around asking for whatever whooping they may have gotten because of some silliness on their own part. How does Jesus tell us to go? Look at what he says. He he does not say, I want you to go out like wolves among sheep. So bare your teeth, flex your muscles, prove to people that you're smarter, and take Christianity and shove it down people's throats sideways because that goes well? <laughs> no! He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. What, what about sheep? Except that it, sheep among wolves, they're, they're known to be vulnerable to those commonplace predators. So too with Christians, there is no strength or stamina or intellect that we have in and of ourselves that we go around flexing, literally or proverbially. No, there's a automatic, we would even say, intrinsic vulnerability to the Christian faith. We just exercised it a little bit ago, when we confessed our sins, daily, continually. We recognize that when we are weak, then and only then are we strong because we're resting on the strength of God. So, as sheep among wolves, there is an understood vulnerability. Vulnerable. But sheep are kind of dumb too, right? That's where the illustration goes too far. That's not what Jesus means. And you can tell that because he doesn't want us to walk around being dumb Christians. He says be as shrewd or as cunning as snakes. What do you know about snakes besides the fact that they probably creep you out? They're able to get to wherever they're going. They go undetected. They're going to use some aspect of their nature to get to where they need So too, God has given you social skills and street smarts and worldly wisdom that are to be exercised for the betterment of the mission of the church. Because he has sent you out, has he not? No, 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 no fangs, no venom, because you're also supposed to be as innocent as doves. That people would look at you and they would struggle, if not fail, to try and find something that is wrong with you. Because you're that harmless. There's this innocence about you. Vulnerable. Sharp, smart, wise, but innocent. So if you and I turn that into the game plan, and if we kind of play our cards right, will that end up leading us to a place where we will no longer experience any sort of hardship whatsoever? Everything's going to be smooth sailing. No, that doesn't exist. Because what does Jesus say next? People. Well, which people? Well, yes, all of them. People are going to oppose you. It's not just that they're going to close their ears. They're actually going to oppose you. And even with hostility, when you profess this name, when you take your stance on this Christian faith, because where and how you take your stand certainly says a lot about you, but when you take a stand for something, it's also kind of like you're taking the witness stand against everyone else. Think about it. Think about why the things that Jesus says are automatically going to happen. When you take your stand for God's Word that your entire faith rests on God's Word alone, Scripture alone, you're not just being pro-Bible. You are also saying that you are taking a stand against all other cultural mantras, social norms, philosophies, and ideologies, even calling them false if not lies what is that going to bring you? When you and I take our stand in the fact that we are saved by God's mercy, carried out in Christ, who is the only Savior, the way, the truth, the life, there is none other, God's grace alone, in Christ alone, then that means we are saying all other religions are broke. What is that going to bring? When you and I say that we are saved by God's favor, salvation, and this is only through faith alone, that means we are saying all merits, all value systems by which people try to determine their inherited or perceived value, all of people's literal or proverbial trophy cases of all of their successes and greatest achievements in life are not going to get them anywhere in eternity, and yet the whole world is building people up to overvalue all of those things, and we say, that's all rubbish. What is that going to bring? And so, of course, when we say we believe that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in the scriptures alone, in Christ alone, and to God alone be the glory, everything else is broken or a lie, what else is going to happen except what Jesus describes? It shouldn't then come as a surprise to us when we might experience that. It also shouldn't come as a surprise when I have to point out that maybe one of the greatest temptations we have is just to Not. Like, how about I just don't say anything? After all, people can't persecute what they don't hear. People can't oppose what they don't get from me. If I just do this, what are they going to say? I'm going to be quiet about my faith. But Jesus takes that off the table because what does he say in his first words? I am sending you out. And the scope of these words is not just for the disciples. He is talking about the disciples who would go throughout Judea, And to the Gentiles, he's talking not just about them, he's talking about you and me. It should also not come as a surprise that when you and I talk about persecution, we all have eyeballs and eardrums, and we can kind of tell that we don't really face a lot of heat or flack for our faith. I mean, we are benevolently sandwiched, both regionally and historically, in a time and a place where we have this weird thing Called religious freedom. You do know that that's rare on the spectrum of history, right? Where we have the ability to be able to say and worship God, and we think sometimes just because there's somebody on the news who said something mean about Christians that that's persecution. Really? are Christians who lost their children for mentioning the name of Jesus. We have the gravy train, we have it easy. It's not lost on me or you that when we talk about persecution in our day, we kind of don't necessarily know what that's like or even think that that will happen. But will it? Will there be a time when this rarity in history goes away? When maybe our kids or our kids' kids or the generation after them will actually have stuff on the line, like property, home, their lives and the lives of their loved ones? If I were a betting man, I would say yes. Just on the basis of history alone. Is it worth wondering? Absolutely. Even if we don't face it like people did like Daniel back in the day. And so I can't help but wonder, dear Christians, as God calls us, our Savior himself, commissions us to have this boldness, regardless of persecution, I can't help but wonder if you and I actually take our faith that seriously. I'm not saying you don't. I just, I can't help but wonder at times if when it comes to our sports teams, we are ready to raise our voice. And then when it comes to Jesus, we're like a little church mouse. When it comes to what we heard a talking head say on the news about politics, oh, we get all stirred up and crazy, even though what they said is probably not going to matter in a couple of months or a year, just saying. But then when it comes to the eternal Word of God, which stands forever, though the grass withers and the flowers fall, I can't help but wonder, as I hear my Savior and yours calling us to such boldness that we would be so, so worked up over trivialities that are here today and gone tomorrow, and yet when it comes to facing heat, even just momentary, then instead of being courageous, we would be cowardice, sheepish. And I'm not afraid to admit to you that I see myself I still see these five people, strangers to me, their acquaintances with one another. We were on a boat ride and they got onto the topic of religion and they're all giving their opinion. All of which was just this pantheistic, new age spirituality mumbo-jumbo. And I could be critical of that except for what happened. Caleb, what is it that you believe? You know what I did? I changed the subject to my own shame. And I'm also not afraid to admit to you that that's not the only time that I didn't take a stand. That I forgot why God makes it entirely worth it to take a stand in the here and now, because it has everything to do with what we believe in eternity. That's really what I forgot, wasn't it? I mean, all the cases where Jesus says, do not worry about what you're going to say, do not worry. Do not be afraid. Isn't that exactly what I gave into? Can you relate? But what I forgot was that God makes it entirely worth it, not because He's waiting for us to prove our courage, but because He makes it entirely worth it because the end has already been determined. I mean, isn't that the beauty of what he gave to the disciples? He doesn't say, notice what he doesn't say to the disciples. He doesn't say, hey guys, go out there, be courageous, and cross your fingers. I hope this really works out, and I hope we win in the end. No, consider the timing. He says you're going to be brought before councils. It wouldn't happen for a while. You're gonna be flogged. It wouldn't happen for a while. You're not gonna continue, you're not gonna stop going through the cities of Jerusalem until the Son of Man comes. It wouldn't happen until Jesus would come. And do you know when that would be? When they would see the Son of Man come through his life and ultimately the culmination of his death, resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and when he would send the Holy Spirit of Pentecost to instruct them on all the promises made in the Old Testament fulfilled in the life and times of Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. That's, that's what they would see. So when they would go out and be called before councils, they already saw the risen Christ. They already knew the end of the story. They already knew that it was secured. They already knew that it was finished. So too, God has done the same for me and you. We don't rest on a couple fingers crossed hoping that this works out in the end. We rest on the solid fact that Jesus sends us out to face persecution, but for what? We already have the victory. Jesus hung on the cross, but the cross was standing firm over a crushed serpent and sin itself. Jesus walked out of the grave and was standing in victory all over death, which was lying in shattered pieces on the ground. And you and I already have that. Jesus doesn't call us to be sent out because eventually he hopes that we will prove to be brave. Jesus has made us brave because the eternity that he has promised is already secured. It's done. And that's what makes standing firm entirely worth it. You're not confessing the faith just to kind of prove that you got tough skin. You confess your faith even in, with, at risk of heat or persecution because you know that that can't touch you. What are they going to take away? Your home? <laughs> you have heaven. Your, your momentary comfort? You have the eternal peace of paradise. I'm gonna rob you of some of your security. You have salvation which doesn't end and that's already secured. So everything you say and do now makes it entirely worth it. In fact, by standing firm, God proves to you that you belong to him and he to you. That was certainly the case for a person we remember today. You may have heard of him. His name is Martin Luther. 503 years ago, he nailed the 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg to dispute the church of his day and their abominable teachings. They were browbeating people. They were robbing people, not just of their finances, but they were robbing people of peace. They were selling salvation for their people's souls and for the souls of their loved ones. Not to mention a long laundry list of other abominations, and he wanted to dispute those things. Well, he had a chance to kind of soften his stance. Pope Leo gave him the chance, and even the threat, a reason to do it. You want to be excommunicated? By the way, when you get excommunicated, you kind of get uh, burned at the stake. So did Luther have a reason to kind of like, oh, maybe I'll walk this back a little bit? And yet, 500 years ago this year, in 1520, he didn't just throw down the gauntlet with three treatises. He proved that his stance was cemented in these truths, that we as Christians are free not to be browbeaten by anyone. We have liberty in grace found in Christ alone. There is no, there's no one, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how churchy they might appear, who can tell us something and that it actually is going to matter when it doesn't agree with what God's Word says. At the risk of all of those things, Even being declared an outlaw, bring him in dead or alive, Luther served as an example of knowing where to stand and why. And aren't you and I proof of that? That is why that matters? The fact that you, check your pulse, are alive, sitting here today, are proof that when people in the past knew where to stand and why, it would matter. You and I would know that we're saved by grace, That means you don't walk around being guilt stricken. That you and I have this faith in Christ alone. That we have this knowledge in Scripture alone. You you and I are proof 500 years later, even go back to the time of Daniel, that by taking this stand, it doesn't just matter for us in our time, but for generations to come. Look at all the little children around you. Knowing where we stand and why now, doesn't that still matter? What about when they become your age? Kids, when you get older and you have kids and grandkids, where you stand now matters in God's word because of the children that will come after you. So Christians, stand firm. Don't be taken away by ideologies and false religious ideas and cultural norms in this world. You have everything you already need, the confines of God's word, which is not enslaving, it's liberating. Dear Christians, stand firm, which means you got to be strong. You hear that in the word firm. And you don't stand firm by letting your heart become apathetic to God's Word and to His teaching. No, you're in devotion daily. You're in God's Word daily. Maybe multiple times. You're in Bible study. It's something you can't miss. You stand firm in that. Stand firm. Especially when someone wants to browbeat you and put you on the spot. Humiliate you and maybe even oppose you with hostility because you know that God has already made it entirely worth it and, 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 with every single one of those steps of persecution, God is proving to you that he is shaping you and preparing you and honing you for the paradise that is already yours, freeing you from worldly things that you do not need as he prepares you for heaven. Stand firm, because one day you will, before God, and when you do, you will see that every time and every place in all your life where God enabled you to take a stand for this truth that he has so graciously given us, you and I will see that that was certainly a stance worth taking for the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. God grant that to us all. Amen.